Okay, very excited to be joined here in studio by former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin. How are you doing? I am doing great, and thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a long time. Do you remember last year when the legislature couldn't organize, I uh, had you do a cameo, mm-hmm. kind of telling them to get organized kind of as a, a goofy video, and then I, I mentioned, hey, we should do the pot. You probably didn't thought it was some kind of goofy thing, but... Yeah, I thought I was being punked, yes. But um, it was, uh, no, that was a good way to get to speak to the legislature and tell them to get their stuff together because Alaskans were waiting on them to get the business done. Twice now, the last two elections, the House hasn't organized for a month Hmm. after the legislature started. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I I mean, there aren't that many of them. uh, Just 40 in the House. Yeah, no, so I don't know what the problem is, why it is so difficult, it seems, to just get the people's job done, except personalities, obviously. And sometimes the obsessive partisanship gets in the way because we're talking titles and power and you know control of, of different aspects of, of uh, the legislature. And um, that gets in the way of just doing what's right, unfortunately. When you were there, there's only a few left that were in the legislature then, but one of the ones that... Um, I'm fr- good friends with is Bill Wilikowski, and, and he, he was saying, um, he actually said he loved working with you. He's told me that several times. I, I loved working with him because he was all about jobs. He was all about, you know, get, get the drilling going. Um, he was about Votech education, mm-hmm. and uh, that was right up my alley, too. So it was fun working with him. So there's a lot I want to ask you. Obviously, you're running for the U.S. House. You're in the top three now, ranked choice, because uh, of this Al Gross situation. But um, the first thing I want to ask you, I've kind of always wanted to ask you, is since 2008 with McCain, the you know vice presidential run, um, you are, I'd say, one of the most recognizable people in, in the country, maybe even the, the world. So I'm just kind of curious, if you were to go to like the lower 48, can you go to like an Applebee's or can you go to Walmart? I mean, can you go to a store? I mean, how, how, how is it to be that recognizable? Uh, well, uh, if, if I'm wearing sun, you know what, if I'm not wearing makeup, then I am incognito. People don't recognize me until I start talking. But uh, no, I, uh, it's not easy to get through an airport or to go to an Applebee's for instance. COVID with the masks, which I hated, that was kind of convenient. That probably helped though. you. It <laughs> sure did. That was getting from point A to point B. When you B were in New York, they had this, this trial. Was that, how was, did people on the street recognize you? Uh, New York was pretty wild. New York was wild. I did have somebody by my side, though, who uh, knows all about New York. So he kind of escorted me from point A to point B around the city. And um, that made it easier because, uh, yeah. But, you know, people who do recognize and have the guts to come up and, and say hello or, or say what they... 90% of them are wonderful. They're awesome. So it doesn't bother me. It's not a problem um, if I'm being recognized because people are so nice. Is it like a oh, selfie or an autograph? Yeah, or? Exactly. That's mm-hmm. It's usually a selfie. Once in a while, well, a little bit too often, it's somebody handing me their phone and I'm FaceTiming with somebody that I don't know and that person is shocked to see me and we have this kind of forced conversation. That's, it's really awkward. Uh, it's like who called this meeting type of conversation. So a lot of that too. So I, I in the beginning mentioned Cameo and on your financial disclosures, you had, you had done pretty well on, on Cameo. This is for the folks not 
who don't, don't know what that is, it's anybody can go on there and request videos for a fee. And some people that are w- more well-known can request a higher fee. So what were some of the, I mean, you must've got some weird requests. Well, I got a cool request. Wayne Gretzky's son asked for one for his parents and I was honored to do that. Yeah. I have some weird ones where I know I'm being punked. And what I do is uh, I take it, I take advantage of it and I kind of try to punk them right back. And I say, Hey, thank you for your money. Thank you for hiring me to you, do yeah. a cameo. Um, because sometimes they're, you know, they can, but I can say whatever I want to say, you know, they, they sometimes they'll, they'll give me like a, a 10 second script. And if it's really weird, I don't have to say it. So I don't, but cameos, it's fun because you're, you're reaching out, you're reaching someone, uh, one-on-one, one-on-one, uh, you know, in, in a video, uh, a couple people have given me a hard time for doing cameos. And of course I say, you're not doing cameos though. So uh, I, I feel like I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do so. It's fun. It's, I always make them positive and encouraging and uplifting and um, just getting to reach out to people who, uh, who are requesting a hello or an encouragement for themselves or for their loved ones. It's fun. Yeah. I think it's a, whoever came up with it. I mean, great idea. There's so many people on there and why didn't we think of that? Because it's sh- a great idea. See, I used to use them a lot for the landmine. I would have people just do funny things. But but then a, a few months ago, people started uh, charging the, the personal kind of rate. But now there's like the corporate or commercial rate, right. which is way higher. It's way higher, right. So right, I've, right. I've kind of pulled back on Right. You know, a lot of politicians or a lot of campaign personnel ask me to endorse people, you know, for, Ooh, oh, yeah. no, I don't know that person. And so I have to turn down a lot of those. But... Um, at first, I turned down the offer of, of even working with Cameo for uh, a long time, like a year. Oh, did they come to you? Yes, yes. Oh, and, really? And in fact, they asked over and over again. And I kept saying no, because I thought it was a little bit goofy. And I knew I'd be criticized, you know, for, oh my, how far she's fallen type thing. But there again, I'm used oh, to that. Oh, so there's nobody... a lot of people Well, that's what I did. So I looked into it and, you know, right off the bat, I'm like, oh. Snoop Dogg's doing them. Well, that's cool. He's really, then, he's, he's one of the expensive, really expensive Yeah, ones. he is really expensive. Red Favre's on there. He's, he's pretty expensive. That was my thing. I looked at all these athletes doing it too. And I'm like, if they're doing it and you know, they're having fun. Well, then I'll take that criticism. That's okay. I mean, if you're getting paid, you might as well dance. Go, go for it. Yeah. So, um, the last time you were on the ballot before this now election was 2006. So wh- why did, you know, Don Young passed away and. It was, you know, everybody, a frenzy with the, the quick kind of um, run up to the special election. I mean, was it even on your radar to, to run? Like, why did you decide to, to hop into the big, you know, 48 person, which you won, the, the primary? Yeah. You got the well, most I've, I've known for all these years, in fact, since 2008, when really I was last on a ballot, and that was the McCain-Palin ticket uh, for president and vice president. I, I've known since then that I've, I've wanted to stay in the arena. I have preached, though, for a, a decade, decade and a half, that you don't need a position official. You don't need an office. You don't need a title to get out there and fight for what's right and, and to make a difference. But as I've said before, there is a time and a season for everything. And at this time in our state's life, in our country's life, now more than ever, the good guys in office need reinforcements. We need more votes on the right side of the aisle to get our natural resource development ramped up again, to get a handle on inflation, um, to close our borders. All the things that uh, are common sense to me that need to be done in America, uh, well, there aren't enough of 
us in elected office, obviously, to get the job done. So it is the right season, the right time for me to have jumped in and offer myself up in the name of service. Uh, when Don Young passed away, unfortunately, it, Trump called a couple of times and encouraged me to run, saying, "Can you? Can you? Can you? Do you have, do you have his number? Can you just call him, or how does that work? Yeah, how does that work? Yeah, but I, I think he likes me because I don't bug him. I don't call him. Um, mm -hmm. he, but he, he, he calls and it's nice because I think he likes to talk to uh, someone or uh, others also. I'm sure who are just connected to. We're normal people, you know. We're not. We're not uh, considering he, ourselves elite. And he, he mentioned this at the rally. You were one of the early." One of the more the more the more early endorsers of him. I, I was the the first conservative, uh, you know, with, with the conservative cred, to get out there and endorse him. And as I think he pointed out too, uh, it took a lot of heat for that. Uh, people thought, "Oh man, you just spent all your political capital mm -hmm. doing that." But I knew that I knew that I knew he was the only one who could take on. Hillary Clinton, take on the media. He had nothing to lose. He had everything to lose personally, but um, nothing to lose but to get out there and, and do what he believed in, do what he knew that the people expected of a president to do. Uh, he wasn't bought, sold, and um, he just certainly stood apart from the other candidates. I think, it's, I think it's really easy to have an opinion of him, good or bad. Um, but I was just having to a while ago was on Twitter and, and I saw this little comparison video of, you know, Biden was just in Saudi Arabia. He's trying to get more oil. And I want to ask you about the, you know, energy production in the country. But when Trump went um, a couple years ago, they had this big welcoming with a sword dance and it was just this elaborate kind of welcoming. And then with Biden, it was just a car and a, like a high. It was, it was just so, so sad. vastly different. The, that's the two, sad. The, the two welcomings. Yeah, that's sad. Well, yeah, I think that's indicative of uh, America's standing in the world right now. We don't have a lot of respect around the world anymore. We're seen as weak, whereas under Trump, uh, we were seen as, as we should be, number one, the, the strongest force for good in the world. And that diminished so quickly under President Biden. And that's that trajectory downward is going to continue until there is a change in Washington, D.C. And that's a dangerous place for our country to be. So if, if you pr prevail here and there's August and then obviously there's November, which is the general and that's going to be the big election for what happens in the, in the House and the, in the Senate. And I think, you know, like very likely the Republicans take take back one or both chambers. Mm -hmm. But but Biden, you know, Biden's still going to be the president. And you talk about, you know, inflation and energy production. Um, there's so many big issues right now. How's it, you know, what, what would, if you prevail, what's, what's it going to, what's going to be your take on working with the president, you know, the president yeah. on getting some of these things, you know, moving? Well, I wouldn't put money on the fact that he's still going to be the president a year from now or two years from now. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's real healthy and I, I don't know if, um, you know, if his cabinet's going to invoke the 25th amendment, I don't know if, uh, he's going to continue to have enough support to even stay in office. Okay. So, th so that's one thing, but, um, Congress, of course, is an equal branch of government to the administrative branch. Congress has not exerted its power, I believe, in order to thwart some of the things that President O'Biden, Ob see, I keep saying oh, O'Biden, oh that, that, That's yeah. the game change, yeah. that's the game Jeez. change movie. Yeah. Jeez. Have you seen that movie? Uh, you ever watch it? No, because didn't they portray me in it? As, it, it wasn't oh, wow. great. Yeah, it was yeah, a Mark, yeah. Hel Mark Halperin book. Oh, yeah. heck no, I didn't see it then. No, no, no. But there was a great scene in there where um, you, you were basically 
something came with like Andrew Halcrow and, and it was a very negative kind of, it was very <laughs> Imagine funny. that. <laughs> negative. Um, no, I didn't see it. But anyway, uh, Congress needs to get out there. They need to get their stuff together. And like the Alaska state legislature does, right? Uh, Congress can get its stuff together and get out there and let the people know what's actually going on and let the people know what solutions are to these problems that affirm we've already mentioned, um, what we can do about these problems. For instance, uh, Biden has some things, you know, on the docket that are going to absolutely destroy Alaska's opportunities for development. His 30 for 30 plan, he wants, uh, by the year, they've already committed to it, by the year 2030, 30% of all federal lands locked up for Mm -hmm. no development. Um, That means construction. It doesn't just mean oil and gas development and, and mineral extraction. It, it, it means developing um, communities. Uh, Congress needs to not allow that to go through. They again, they're an equal branch of government. They can do uh, they can do things to make sure that an administration like Biden's, which is so overreaching, so overregulating, uh, that they don't destroy this country. I think Jeff that they. I they've already promised Barack Obama as a candidate promised in 2008 they were going to fundamentally transform America you only fundamentally transform something for which you have disdain you want to totally destroy fundamentally destroy that thing and then rebuild it into something else that's what they're doing that's why they've allowed the locking up of lands the um Closing Anwar, making sure that uh, NPR, we're not going to be able to tap into anything in that area. Not just Alaska, but all the other resource-rich states. Well, for, for Alaska, I mean, specifically the, the Willow Project was, was essentially approved with right. Trump. And now right. they've, they've, there's a lawsuit and, and this Judge Gleason, and now there's a re, re, review period. Um, and this is, you know, kind of, I think it's hundreds, 800 million barrels of recoverable, you know, 160,000 barrels a day. And I think of the jobs. And hundreds of jobs. Hundreds of jobs. Yeah. And then the spinoffs too for, for the economy and for, for more and more and more jobs. Um, so Biden shutting things down like that. That's bureaucracy. That is from the head shed, from the president on down, setting that tone that we're not going to allow this kind of development. And then they hire the bureaucrats or they keep on board bureaucrats who are all about shutting things down that would lead to responsible development. Um, but it doesn't have to be this way. Look what Trump was able to accomplish. And Trump, it was always three against one. He had the Democrats against him. He had the media against him. And he had the Republican establishment against him. Three against one. And yet look what he could accomplish. He did open up lands. He did promise and effectively administer responsible development of our oil, gas, minerals, all those things that a a community, a state, a nation needs in order to be solvent and sovereign. Uh, And look what Biden did. On day one, he goes in there and he shuts off pipelines, shuts off spigots around the country and like you just pointed out, heads on over to a foreign country to beg them to develop their dirty and dangerous sources of uh, energy when we have it right here underfoot. So, so Don, Don Young famously worked with Trump on, you know, the Anwar stuff and a lot of things, but he also, you know, with this infrastructure bill, worked, worked with people in Congress and the Biden administration. I mean, what, do you think that was a good, the, I mean, a lot of money, it's, obviously it's great. I wouldn't have voted for it. Uh, nope. And it was what, a trillion dollar thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I wouldn't have. 
because I, I will never forget Pelosi saying, oh, we gotta, you got to vote for it. You got to pass it before you know what's in it. That was this case too. There is no way that the public nor those voting on it, the lawmakers, knew what was in that bill because it was rushed through. It was too much money. By the way, we're 23, 25, $27 trillion in debt as is. Um, so we're just printing money out of thin air to pay for a package like that as proposed by Biden. That The quantitative easing that, that our nation got into is is tragic and um soon you know we're going to be owned by another country if we continue where we're going towards bankruptcy with with, you know this covid cares act and all this stuff it was in the trillions and i remember in oh you know back when you were running for vice president it was it was 800 900 billion which people thought was a lot right and then now we're in this like it's a couple trillion here a couple and i was really when the it's all started i kept thinking about you know, what's this inflationary effect going to have. And it took a couple of years, but, but I mean, here we are and we're at 10, at least 10%, which, I mean, I look at the price of, you know, going to the gas station or going to the grocery store for just regular, you know, just for millions, hundreds of millions of people who just want to live and work and, it, and have it's a life. Destro- it's going to destroy the middle class if we keep going the way we're going with inflation. Uh, yeah, we're going to be up towards 10% inflation. Uh we read about these these colas, say for military, they're they're increasing pay, but it doesn't keep up with inflation. Even say the, there's a four percent cola, that that's nothing when you consider the price of everything else rising so so quickly above that. Even the social security adjustment they're, they're talking yeah. about now is not. Yeah. It's, it's, no, no. So um, I read, I was reading this morning also because of course we always talk about the price of fuel, uh, which you know two years ago, a year ago, it was two bucks a gallon up in Fairbanks. I was talking to a kid as he's fueling up his diesel truck, and now he's paying six nineteen, um, and he can't afford to fuel up his truck, and that's his work truck. Uh, so we talk about the high price of fuel, of course, absolutely ridiculous because all again, all you got to do turn on the spigot here in Alaska, and we could have two million barrels rolling down that pipeline every day. Uh, but now we're going to start talking about. Um, even more of the needs of a household, the rising prices like a loaf of bread. Uh, reading this morning, they're saying, you know, a $10 loaf of bread is the new $5 gallon of, of gas. So people need to be aware of what's coming with food prices, right? Already $700 a month average increase in a household just to buy their groceries for the month. That. People, it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable because wages are not increasing at the same level. Uh, There are things that we can do about that too, though. And all we seem to hear about are the problems, right? And it must drive you crazy too, being in that media arena, talking, talking, talking about the problems, but not a lot of people come forth with the solutions. Um, That's why I appreciate that you talk about solutions when it comes to resource development, for instance. We don't need to be relying on other foreign sources of energy, for one. You already hit on the benefits of developing our own, like the Willow Project, the jobs created, all the spinoff beneficial effects of a project like that. Um, That's a solution. I mean, I I, I worry about this country, if you look at the, the, the wages have not gone up hardly at all in the last, you know, 20 or 30 years. The prices for education, for health care, now in the last, you know, Transportation. six months, food, all these pr- wages aren't for the average person. I mean, if you're in the market, if you're if you're invested, if you're in equity, yeah, you're, those people are doing pretty well. Though. So I worry about, you know, this concentration of wealth to the to the people, you know, who, who, who are 
making money off investments and markets compared to the average middle-class working person whose, whose wages aren't going up, but the costs are going up. And I just wonder, you know, how long this is sustainable for even, even in Anchorage right now, the average price of a house is $430,000. There's very low, um, supply. There's a high, you know, very low vacancy rate. So it's even hard to, even if you want to get into a place and you have a, you know, working minimum wage, you can't afford to live in a, and that's, if somebody's willing to work full time in this country, I think they should be able to, you know, enjoy a, a place to live and go on a vacation once in a while. And it's very hard nowadays to do that. Right. Well, you know, that's, that's a whole another important conversation too. Able-bodied people should be out there working full-time. Absolutely, yes. And um, look what government is doing in that arena also though, incentivizing people not to work by paying them to stay home. Th that's why you see a, a shortage of workers in say a fast food joint. Um, that, because uh, it, it, it makes more sense to just, to a lot of people unfortunately, as a work ethic is being eroded because of government's decisions being made, um, to stay home, receive that bread and milk from the government instead of being out there working. And <clears throat> the ripple effects of that, not just collectively of, of uh, a psyche in a community, in a state, in a nation where, again, that work ethic erodes, but economically, we will have fewer products, we will have fewer services with fewer people working. We have more and more money circulating, chasing those fewer products and services. Oh. That's that's inflation. Government is doing this to us, Jeff. Government is making the decisions that's causing this. Why were people incentivized monetarily to stay home uh, during COVID, for instance? The checks that went out, um, it, as government shut down their their businesses, the fast food joints, um, the opportunities for jobs, and instead government paid them to stay. Well, that, you know that's a bigger picture. There is the government shutdown taking control over our private sector by closing up shop. That was tragic. Um, I don't think it cured anything. Look at the look at the rate of COVID today. It it's. Extremely I just heard about, high. I, I, I've I've been kind of famously against the mask mandates from the beginning, but I just we finally kind of move on. There was that judge in Florida, which I I forget her name. I love her. She you know the airplane mandate. But now I'm hearing Florida's amazing with their good. I actually governance. went to Florida in November. My my cousins and my aunt lived there cool. for Thanksgiving, and it was November. And I remember getting off the plane, and after being there for a couple hours, I was like, wow, this is. It's Nothing different. like everywhere else. I know. It's it was different. just like going back in, in time a little bit. But um, now <laughs> a, lot there's, of, now a there's, lot of independent people there. Now, now there's some new, no, another new variant, and now they're trying to. I think in some somewhere on the east the east coast, they want to put the masks back in for the schools. Well, which, and Fauci's been back on TV recently. That's a sign right there. Something's coming. Yep, some, something's coming. Uh, to me, COVID. Yep, it's real. It's it's a virus. It's it's but. Uh, it's about control of the people, government overreaching, telling the private sector, telling private citizens where they can go, what they can do, how they need to be covered. And we, I think we went along with it for too long. It, we were kind of like sheep for a it, while it really, there. It scared me. It really am amazed, almost kind of like after 9-11 TSA, we, we just kind of let it. And then just so many people went along. I mean, I, I, initially I was like, okay, we don't know what this is. Let's, you know figure it out but then it just drug, dragged on for you know two years yeah two years and and, I, and 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 as you're suggesting too i mean there's 
talk of okay the next variant and and uh, you know there are more viruses on this earth than there are stars in the sky there will always be viruses and you don't you don't get rid of a virus you, you can you deal with the symptoms so uh, no to me COVID and of course early on in the discussion anytime I discussed it publicly I'd get the crap beat out of me by a lot of liberals saying um, you know you're not following the science you're not and my point was no I am following the science that's why I'm questioning these solutions these cures that uh, Big Brother government is handing down uh, because I, I want the I want the remedies to to be built based on science. I've been really frustrated with COVID. I, I think uh, it, it's been the perfect example of government overreach, government control of the people, and it uh, hasn't done our country any good. Well, I know you got to leave in a few minutes for, for another engagement, but I wanted to um, ask you one more thing, and then I want to finish up with uh, a little quick anecdote about I was in Vegas this weekend. and Careful of what anecdote you want to share. <laughs> I, I share everything, so it's not, there's no secrets. You got pictures even? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just go on my Twitter oh, or right. Facebook. Yeah, I'll show you. There's, they're <laughs> very transparent. Um, so, so you know, I, I, one of the, the big criticisms has, has been from some of the Republicans and your opponent is, is when you resigned as governor. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot going on back then, you know, there, all these lawsuits, and it was kind of a media frenzy. Um I guess, what would you say? I mean, this is something that Dan Fagan guy- I am guy so talk- glad you asked. And Dan Fagan, especially, he knows why I left. It's funny- he that, really, He's really mean. He's really not nice to it, you. It's listen? funny. He, he, was, he was at my home, hanging out with me. It's almost like he had a crush on me for many years. <laughs> hmm And then, though, when he was kind of rebuffed, watch this. This is going to be the takeaway for Fagan. Um, he he kind of turned on me. Boo-hoo. So, Dan Fagan and others, they know why my administration was thwarted. We were stymied. We were not able to do the people's business. When I got off the vice presidential trail and we were inundated with false charges, false ethics charges, lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit, my administration, we spent more time in conferences rooms going through files and paperwork and just answering FOIAs because it doesn't cost anybody anything to file. Oh, I want, I want, um, freedom of information act. I want all your emails for the last 30 years or whatever. And we having to comply, we couldn't do the people's work. Mm -hmm. And personally it was costing me hundreds of thousands of dollars also to defend myself because a lot of the charges our department of law had never dealt with such a thing before, um, charges against a governor. So they they were kind of vacillating uh, what were personal charges that I had to take care of, what were charges uh, that were official as the governor, the department of law could defend me for. Anyway, um, made no sense. So, uh, and it wasn't going to stop. It, it was getting worse and worse, this styming of it, our what, administration. Was it, was, it hard to, was it hard to decide to resign? Was it a- Well, yeah, because I... I love Alaska. I mean, the, my heart is Alaska. I want to serve Alaska. So, so that, but um, no, finally, uh, knowing that we are going into a lame duck session of the legislature, I knew I could hand the mantle to my lieutenant governor. He, he would fulfill that conservative agenda that I had promised. He would be able to do the people's business and I would step aside and I had to put my own political desires to serve in office aside. I had to put my uh, financial, um, that, that a lot of that was at stake, you know, obviously, you know, you're giving up a job. Um, just so many aspects of it. No, I, it, 
it was a sacrificial thing. And it's funny that those who would complain about me today, oh, she quit, she, she quit. They're the same critics who never wanted me elected back in 2006 anyway. They're the ones who wanted me out of there from day one. So that's funny. But also, I know that my opponent has um, complained evidently uh, about me, quote unquote, quitting on the state of Alaska. Nobody's asking this guy, how long you been in Alaska? How come I never heard of you before? How come I'd never seen you before? I, I've been in Alaskan politics for 30 years now um, as mayor, city manager, oil and gas commissioner, governor, um, city council. Oh, my gosh. PTA, PTO. That, that's been my you were, the, you were there. You don't know low, my buddy. No, no, actually. No, no we, owns this building. Okay. With my friend Bryce. Okay, and I was mayor no and, and this, he was on yeah, city, city council. council yeah. yeah. He was this young buck that. Good conservative dude. Yeah, yeah. Small, small world. Yeah. He, he's the co-owner of this building. Right okay, now, that's so. cool. Um, so, anyway, um, where was I going with that, Jeff? That uh, uh, Nick Begich. Uh, yeah, Nick. okay. So, he's saying, uh, yeah, he's quite a, I, I so want to have a debate with the man, the young man, to find out more about, uh, you know, who are you? What do you stand for? My website it's black and white, man. It's it's cut and dried. You know what my positions are. Boom, boom, boom. I don't know what his positions are. I don't know if the people know what his positions are because he he never really speaks about his. It's just all kind of. Well, there's definitely going to be some. I think this was so rushed, this special thing. But there's going to be some for sure. We're going to try to host some stuff here, and I think well, that would be good. People that, are going to be. Doing I mean, that, so. it's almost like a contested primary when two Republicans are running mm -hmm. against each other, and that's good. That's healthy competition. Makes us all work harder. Makes us. It, it produces more for the electorate. So it's it's a good thing, but um. You know, because my campaign has not been negative at all. We, you know, I'm, I was like, I had never met the guy before. In the very first forum that we had, he he drew first blood. And I'm like, what? Dude, was that the Fairbanks I, thing? Uh, well, it was, it was, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it, that one or, or an Anchorage one where he, he looks over at me, first comments, you know, is like, she hasn't donated to a Republican official or she hasn't helped a Republican official since Nineteen. I looked on APOC, and very first thing I'm thinking is, why are you taking a shot at me? I don't even know you. You know, you don't even know me. And um, we're both Republicans, supposedly. You know, you're a Republican. I guess you are. You, you have an R by your name. Um, you, you'd think that he would want to talk about uh, the differences in policy or mm. vision that we have. And um, he was wrong, by the way. I've spent the last decade and a half getting... Republicans, conservatives elected to office all over this country. What has he done? He's gotten Democrats elected. He's admitted that, contributing to them, voting for them. He's gotten the Democrats. I've gotten the Republicans. So um, that was a big difference. But for him to say, she's a quitter, she's a quitter. Well, there are questions about him and his background and his um, acceptance to... Um, what was it, the Air Force Academy or wherever it was, I'm sure you guys are all going to dig into it and find out. And supposedly he quit the country on that. Nobody brings that up. That, yeah, there's he, been some people. He's pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And at some point, the more negative he is, the more it, it will bite him in the butt. And I'm not going to have to do it. It's going to be constituents and it's going to be the media doing their job, digging into what it is that that he claims. And um, I will... Uh, I'll keep on being that happy warrior. We're, we're, we're a month away from the, the special general. So I know you got to go for another interview, but I just want to real quick, I was in Vegas this weekend, <laughs> cabana with the pool. It was a lot of fun. When you have a cabana, it's easy to get people to come hang out. <laughs> and um, your friend and campaign manager, Chris, called me about, I've been trying to get this podcast forever. And I'm like on the phone and I'm talking about, and they said, 
There is no way I'm wearing a Speedo. There is no way you're interviewing Sarah Palin. I said, no, Did absolutely. Did have something to do with the Speedo or what? I just think they were like, there's no way this guy. And so I said, no, no, I am. I And so so if, if Rhonda, Diane, and Amanda are listening from San Diego, this is, hi, and I'm doing the podcast with Sarah Palin. They they were, they, they couldn't believe it. That's awesome. I'll show you a picture after we're, we're oh, done. Oh, good. Here. I can't oh, wait to see the picture of the Speedo. Hey, by the way, I love your, um, I love your hoodie. Uh, I oh, am yeah. Labor, labor's all, uh, right on. Right on. I was Fairbanks. IBW sister for years, and I sure appreciated you know the time and the place for unions, especially in Alaska. And um, I tell you, there uh, our brothers and sisters in the union. They are the common sense, hard working Alaskans who you know they they, they keep the skids greased for for our economy. Um, unfortunately, once in a while, there's some union leadership that are kind of. Thugs, and that kind of gives some unions a bad name, but the brothers and sisters I mean, the, 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 love the, them. The, the private, like the IBW, the laborers, the carpenters, the plumbers. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave anybody out. The, right, you know, right, right. Great job. Great, great, great for employing folks and getting people good wages. So yeah. talked about that earlier. Well, Governor Palin, thank you for coming on. I want to have you on again. It was really enjoyable. Thank you. There's so many th- more things I want to talk to you about. So we'll have to... We'll have to come back and do it again. Right on. Hey, thanks so much for being in the arena and getting people to talk about issues and what's important to the state and to this country. It You're doing a lot of good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for coming on. Folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.